If you brought your Bible this morning, I want to invite you to go with me to the Gospel of John, John chapter 17, this morning. Pardon, John chapter 16 and verse 8. Praise God. John chapter 16, beginning at verse 8. The words of Jesus spoken just a few hours before his crucifixion. As he promised the church the Holy Spirit. And he said in verse 8, and when he, that's speaking of the Holy Spirit, when he comes, he will convict the world concerning sin and righteousness and judgment. Concerning sin because they do not believe in me. Concerning righteousness, because I go to the Father, and you no longer see me. And concerning judgment, because the ruler of this world has been judged. Let's pray. Father, we ask this morning that you would anoint my lips of clay to preach and teach the word of the living God. And I ask you to anoint the hearing of this congregation, that as they hear the word, they might act upon its truth, and that it might bear great fruit in their life. We ask these things in Jesus' name, and the church said, Amen. You may be seated this morning. I want to use as a subject this morning, I believe. And I want to speak on this subject because we are living in dangerous times. And I know that you are aware of the dangers that exist in our world we're living in a world where there is a political and even uh, international chaos. We're living in a world where there is a pandemic that seems to be uh, difficult to rein in and to bring under control. And our, our days are serious. They are certainly very interesting. As you go through uh, the last few months, we've seen our world changing quickly and of before our eyes. And the Bible tells us that in the last days there will come a great apostasy. That means there will come a great falling away. People will walk away from their faith. People will walk away from the faith which they have professed in God. And because you and I are living in such dangerous times, there are great and many opportunities for this to happen in just about any life. I have witnessed over the last year or two the a number of people in ministry who have fallen away. And I have seen, uh, as I'm sure you have as well, people of, of great renown, men and women who have preached the gospel, some of them pastors of large and influential churches, some of them writers of books and Christian literature who have now renounced Christ and say they no longer believe, that they no longer believe that Jesus is the Son of God or that Jesus is the answer for man's problems. And they have fallen away from their faith and many uh, are, have denied Christ altogether having once led many to know Him. We've heard stories, heartbreaking, tragic stories of pastors who have uh, committed suicide and ended their own lives. When you hear these things, you have to 
be warned by it. It should be a, a warning to your heart, to your spiritual life. That if men and women of God who preach the gospel and who stand in pulpits and proclaim truth have once known the gospel and walked away from it, then this can happen to any person who is not watchful in their spiritual life. So I want to bring to you a message this morning to remind you of the great importance of the faith which you have believed. That you and I have received the gospel of Jesus Christ, that it has become the centerpiece of our life, that it has directed our future and our decisions. It is no small thing. It's not like choosing which restaurant to eat at after church or deciding what movie to watch or maybe which book to read. Uh, the decision to follow Christ is, the, is at once the most important and e essential decision that any person can ever make because it has consequences for this life and for the life to come. It has consequences for time and for eternity. And the Bible warns us that in the last days the love of many will grow cold. There is a growing cold of love which has taken place and it is taking place and it generally begins by a coldness of our love toward God. And so I want to encourage you today to cling, as we sang this morning, cling to the cross. Cling to the Lord Jesus Christ. Cling to the Word of God. Cling to your faith in God. Because the days you are living in are desperate days. Often in human history we have witnessed the the problems that occur in people's lives through eras of great difficulty. During the First and Second World War, the same thing happened. Many preachers lost their faith and denied the gospel. And many of them remained in seminaries teaching that the Bible was no longer, teaching the Bible was not the inspired word of God. And this was the result of two long periods of war in which people gave up hope. People stopped believing that God cared or that God loved or that God was even involved in human life. And as this pandemic that we are passing through seems to wear on and it starts to wear thin the, the uh, patience of people, we must not allow the difficulties and the hardships and the longevity of these trials to move us from our faith in God. There is always a tendency toward God when crisis comes. When there is a, a need, a, a, a national need, a national emergency, there, there's a push or, or a pull toward God. There is a, a, a tendency for people to turn to the Lord. You remember on 9-11, uh, that's getting farther away now uh, than I think. But some of you weren't even born yet on 9-11. But those of us who were, you remember that churches were full for about a month as people were in panic and concern. This happens during a crisis. When, when this pandemic began, the same thing occurred. But then something else happens as the trial wears on, as the difficulty wears on, we start to see a, a giving up, a moving away from that initial run to God and people start to give up and they start to lose hope. They start to lose confidence in God. You and I this morning have some hope here in the scripture which I have read. 
Because the Bible says that God has not left you alone. But he has given you the Holy Spirit to walk beside you and to walk with you. I've come to encourage you this morning, Kingsway Church, no matter how long the pandemic may be, no longer how difficult the trial may be that you're going through right now, let me just encourage you with this. You are a child of the living God, and you are not alone because the Holy Spirit of God is your helper and your constant companion. Say amen if you believe that. Now, Jesus said that one of the ministries of the Holy Spirit would be conviction. Conviction is a ministry of the Holy Spirit. We don't always think about it like that. No one thinks about uh, their parents spanking them as a ministry. But one of the ministries of the Holy Spirit is conviction. When the Holy Spirit was sent by the Lord to the heart of the believer, He sent them to our heart in order that He might convict us. And the word conviction uh, it has two meanings. The first meaning is to correct To correct our steps so that we don't get off course. And that is one of the most precious gifts of the Holy Spirit. That He, uh, when we are tempted and and when when we are considering taking a wrong step, that the Holy Spirit comes to correct us. He's like the rumble strip on the side of the highway that lets you know you're getting off course. And if you go any further on that Detour, you're going to get yourself hurt or you're going to hurt somebody else. That is the the gift that God has given to you. So that you and I in the most desperate days of life, in the most difficult moments of life, can have an assurance that when you and I take a step out of the place that God has designed for us, that there will be a voice. The Bible said the voice will be from behind. That's the voice of the Holy Spirit saying, go to the right, go to the left. This is the way. Walk in it. And if you will listen to the voice of the Holy Spirit, friend, He will save you a thousand troubles. And He will keep you out of danger and out of defeat and out of destruction. There is no way to ignore the voice of the Holy Spirit without consequence. Everyone who ignores the voice of the Holy Spirit does so to their own peril. But when you obey the voice of the Spirit, when you listen to His correction... Although it may not be easy, it may not be fun, and it may not seem like it's what you want to hear right now. But when you obey the voice of the Holy Spirit, it produces blessing in your life. The book of Hebrews says no correction at the moment seems joyful. Nobody enjoys correction. He says, but when it is complete, it produces the, fruit, uh, it produces the precious fruit of righteousness. God wants to produce fruit out of your life. And he wants to produce fruit because when we produce fruit, this glorifies God the Father. And so he sent the Holy Spirit to correct us, to call us out so that we can be saved from trouble and kept in the right path. That, this might be, that we might be fruitful in this life and bring glory to God. And you know this morning that when the Holy Spirit convicts, he always draws you to God. The conviction and the discipline of the Lord is always for uh, proximity. It's always for intimacy. God always uh, calls us out so that we can come toward Him. But the enemy has a counterfeit. And this counterfeit is condemnation. And the enemy seeks to uh, mirror the voice of the Holy Spirit. 
And he seeks to bring correction, but his correction is intended to push you away from God. And so, whereas the voice of the Holy Spirit would sound something like this, and he would say, uh, you need to get to church this Sunday, and you need to get in the Bible this week, and you need to make sure that you honor God with your tithe. And the Holy Spirit will tell you, don't go to that party you just got invited to. Just tell them you can't come. And the Holy Spirit will tell you, you know what, you just, you just spoke out of turn. You need to apologize. And he'll correct you with the intent of bringing you closer to the heart of God. But the voice of the enemy sounds like this. He'll say, why should God care about you? Why should God listen to you when you pray? Why should God forget what you did last summer? And he'll bring up your past and he'll bring up your failures in order to push you away from God. And so you know the voice of the stranger when he comes. He comes to move you away from God, to tell you that God doesn't care, to tell you that God doesn't love you, to tell you that God doesn't have an interest in your life. And that's a counterfeit voice. But Jesus said, my sheep hear my voice, and they will not hear the voice of the stranger. They will not follow the voice of the stranger. Come on, somebody. Have you, have you heard the voice of the Spirit lately drawing you to God, calling you to a closeness with God? That voice, that precious voice of correction is God's gift to you so that you will not perish in the way, so that you will not see your life wasted on the mistakes made by ignoring the voice of the Holy Spirit. Now the second uh, meaning of that word convict is that the Holy Spirit comes to convince. He comes to bring convincing proof of the things which we have believed. He comes to persuade us of the things which we have believed. And the way he does this is a miraculous and supernatural thing by which the heart of God is, and the reality of God is revealed to us by the work and ministry of the Holy Spirit. Now Jesus said there are three things that the Holy Spirit will convince you of or convict you of. And I want to go over these three things this morning with us as we study the scriptures. First of all, he said the Holy Spirit will convict you of sin. And he tells us, if you, if you read the, the, the verses that follow, he tells us specifically which sin the Holy Spirit is most concerned about. What is the sin which the Holy Spirit is most concerned about getting out of the heart of the believer? Well, he tells us here of sin because you do not believe. The most damaging and destructive sin that can be harbored in the heart of any believer is the sin of unbelief. And it is that same sin that has condemned hundreds of millions to, to hell without Christ because of unbelief. You see, the Bible says that without faith, it is impossible to please God. Every single thing that you and I receive from God, we receive it by faith. We don't receive it by our merits. We don't receive it by our good works. We don't receive it by our good looks. We receive it by faith. And so, if the enemy can bring unbelief and doubt into your heart, he can, he can lock you out of all of the blessings and benefits of walking with God. And so the enemy wishes to bring unbelief into the heart of the believer and into the heart of the Christian and cause you to walk in a, in a, in a place of failure and spiritual defeat. By faith, the Bible says that you can move mountains. By faith, 
The Bible tells us that you can see the glory of God. By faith, you can see your circumstances be transformed and come into alignment with the word and the will of God. Faith has incredible power in your life. And so the Holy Spirit has come to convince you that you might believe, that you might become a person full of faith. You know, one of the names of the Holy Spirit is that he is the spirit of faith. And the Apostle Paul says we have a spirit of faith. That means that the Holy Spirit, when he comes into the heart of an individual, he brings faith. And he produces faith in your heart. And the importance of this is such that when you pray, you have the option of praying in your natural man, with your natural mind, or you can pray by the Spirit. And the natural mind doesn't know anything about faith. The natural mind only knows about what it sees, about what it can hear, about what it heard on the, on the news, about what it read in the newspaper. The natural mind can only, uh, can only think about natural things. And so when you pray in the natural, uh, you are, you are, are gonna, uh, you're going to be limiting your prayer life. And so the Bible says pray in the Spirit. Why? Because when you pray in the Spirit, you pray according to the very heart and mind and will of God. And the Holy Spirit produces faith in your life. So that when you pray, your prayers can receive answers from God. Here's what the natural man, man sounds like when he prays. Well, God, if you can, would you please help me this week? Can you try uh, to make a little time to help me out this week? And the, the natural mind thinks uh, on natural terms, on a natural level. But when you pray in the Spirit, the Spirit of faith on the inside of you produces a confidence in you that God is listening and that if God is listening, then God will answer you when you pray. Come on, is there anybody here that knows what I'm talking about? There is an assurance that comes when you pray in the Holy Spirit. And so I want to encourage you, that if you're praying about something and you've been praying about that, that situation in your life for a long time, I want you to continue to pray and pray until that assurance comes. Pray until that faith and that assurance comes that God has heard you. And don't give up praying until you know that God has heard you. And when you know that God has heard you, then you can know it's in God's hands. And I'm not going to worry about it anymore. The Bible says that in all things we are to make our prayer and our requests known to God. Through prayer and supplication. And the peace of God, which uh, guards our, which is surpassing human understanding, will guard our hearts and our minds through Christ Jesus. What is that peace? That is the assurance of faith. The knowing that God has heard you. Listen, there are some things that you just know. Once the Spirit of God has birthed it in your heart, you just know that you know that you know that this thing is already taken care of. That God has already solved the problem. And if you will pray in the Spirit, friend, you will come to have that assurance of faith. And this is such an important thing uh, in every believer's life. This isn't just for the pastors and the deacons and the elders of the church. But it's for you. God wants you to walk in faith. He wants you to walk in assurance of faith and know that when you pray that he hears you and that he answers you according to his divine power and might, that he is not limited in his ability to do incredible works in your life. Do you need a miracle this morning? 
Do you need God to show up in your life? Do you need God to show up in your marriage? Do you need God to show up in your, in your family? Is your family sick today? Are you struggling with some kind of financial trouble? Call on God in the name of Jesus by the power of the Spirit and let Him bring faith into your heart for the moving of mountains and the transforming of situations. A lot of believers, the Bible says, they have not because they ask not. And you say, well, I've been asking a lot, but why haven't I received? Well, maybe you haven't received by faith. You've been walking in the natural. And God says, I want you to come up to the spiritual. I want you to walk by the Spirit. I want you to pray by the power and leadership of the Holy Spirit. And He'll direct you into the very will of God. Number two, Jesus said, when the Spirit comes, He will convict you of sin And of righteousness. He says of righteousness because I go to the Father. Now here's the second thing the Holy Spirit comes to do. He comes to convict you or to convince you that Jesus Christ is seated at the right hand of God. He said, I have, he's going to, he's going to convict you of righteousness. He's going to convince you of the righteousness of God. And that I go to the Father. Here's what we believe. And here's what I have believed. And I believe today that you share in this belief with me. I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. And if I, if I say something you believe in, you say amen. Let's practice. Say amen. I said I believe that Jesus is the Son of God. I believe that Jesus was born of a virgin. I believe that Jesus lived on the earth for 33 years and he lived a sinless life. I believe that Jesus died on the cross and he shed his blood for my sins and that my sins are washed away because of the blood of Jesus. I believe that Jesus was buried and that on the third day he rose again with power and with great glory. I believe that Jesus ascended to heaven and that Jesus is seated at the right hand of God the Father this morning. Come on, somebody. And I believe that he is seated at the right hand of God the Father, interceding for his church. Come on. Say amen if you believe that. The Holy Now, now let me just ask you this. How do you know that? You and I didn't see him ascend into heaven. We don't see him sitting at the right hand of the Father the way Isaiah did when he said, I saw the Lord and the train of his robe filled the temple. But you see, although we don't see with our natural eye, the Spirit of God on the inside of us has convicted us of this truth. Jesus Christ is Lord and he is seated at the right hand of the majesty of God on high. And I am convinced of this too. I believe that Jesus Christ is coming back. I believe that he's going to rapture his church out of the earth. I believe that he's going to establish his kingdom on the earth for a thousand years. Come on, don't stop saying amen. And I believe that Jesus is going to bind the devil for eternity in the pits of hell. Come on, somebody. Do you believe this morning? Now, here's the, here's the, the reason this is so important. Because when you're watching the news and you see all the chaos, and when you hear the... the, the Uh, reports about the rise of the 
virus and you hear of people dying and you see all the trauma and trouble around you, the human heart is tempted to say there's no one in charge. There's no one in control. There's no one running the country. There's no one running my life. Can I just tell you, Jesus Christ is on the throne of glory and authority and power. He has all power and all authority. Come on. He's King of kings and Lord of all lords. And you've got to remain convinced of that fact. Persuaded that he is seated at the right hand of God. What is he doing there? He's interceding for you. That means he's praying for you. He said, look, you've never prayed like this before. But from now on, when you pray, you pray in my name. And whatever you ask the Father in my name, he will give to you. Why? Because he's seated at the right hand of the Father. And when you make a prayer request, and that prayer request goes up to, to heaven, and God the Father says, uh, looks like down there in Kingsway Church they're asking for these things. Do you know these folks? Jesus says, yeah, those are my folks. Come on, somebody. Does he know who you are today? I said, does he know who you are today? I'm not talking about I have a cousin that knows God. I'm talking about does he know who you are? Does he know that you are his child? Come on, have you put faith in Jesus? If you have, then he is at, in, in the, on the right hand of the Father interceding for you. He's praying for you. Jesus told Peter, he said, Satan has desired to sift you like wheat. He wants to shake you up. But I have prayed for you. Don't you realize you have someone praying for you night and day, 24 hours a day, pandemic or no pandemic, crisis or no crisis, COVID or no COVID. Come on, somebody. He is day and night interceding for you. And guess what? His intercession is heard by God the Father. I have this conviction this morning that Jesus is Lord. That he has all power and all authority. And that means he's in control. You know, there's been a lot of chaos this week regarding Afghanistan. And people who were uh, left behind, I guess we could say it like that. I just want you to know, I have this conviction this morning. That when Jesus comes for his church, he's not leaving a single one of us behind. Say amen, somebody. He's not leaving a single one of us behind. If you put faith in Jesus, the Holy Spirit gives you that assurance this morning. The assurance of righteousness. That all the righteousness of God has been satisfied in Christ. If he's sitting at the throne of God, what does that mean? That means that you and I have an advocate before the Father. That means that you and I have a, have a defense attorney before the Father. Because there is a devil who likes to accuse he likes to bring up your past. He wants to bring up your past to God and say, look, you shouldn't, uh, you shouldn't answer them. You shouldn't help them. Look what they've done. Look where they've been. Look at the sins that, they're, that they have uh, committed. And when God looks at Jesus, Jesus just said, look, my hands have paid that price. My side has, has paid that price. My blood has paid that price. Come on, somebody. Righteousness has been accomplished. 
And so today you and I can say, I am the righteousness of God in Christ. Come on. I said, I am the righteousness of God in Christ. The apostle Paul said, where is the accuser? Come on. Paul said, come on, where's the accuser? Who is it that has an an accusation against God's elect? Jesus is the one who died. Jesus is the one who was raised from the dead. And Jesus is the one who has declared you righteous. The righteousness of God by faith. You better cling to Christ today. You need to cling to Christ today. Because the winds of this world are blowing against your faith. He said, I have come. He will come, number three, to convict the world of judgment. He says, judgment because the prince of this world has been judged. Here's the third conviction that the Holy Spirit brings to our heart. And that is that our arch enemy, the devil, has been defeated. That the prince of this world has been judged. The enemy came into the Garden of Eden. He sowed seeds of rebellion and unbelief. He told Eve, has God said? Did God really say that? Does God really mean what he says? He hasn't changed his tactics a bit. He's still doing the same thing today. He's still leading people astray by sowing the seeds of rebellion and unbelief. Sin came into the world and death through sin. The consequences were so devastating, they're still affecting us to this day. That's why we see the trouble and the trial and the trauma and the disease and the, and the a breakup of the family. Because sin has destroyed the lives of people. We have an enemy. The devil is not your friend. Sin is not your friend. The devil is your Sworn enemy. Jesus said the thief. He called him a thief. In another place he called him a liar. Jesus was not pretending to make friends with the devil. He said he's a thief and a liar. And he came but to steal, to kill, and to destroy. But I have come, he said, that you may have life. Come on somebody. He said, I have come that you may have life. And that you may have it more abundantly. And this enemy has waged war against your heart, against your life, against your family, against your marriage. But I have good news for you. Jesus said the prince of this world has been judged. The apostle Paul said to the Colossians, he said at the cross, Satan was disarmed. And he was made a public spectacle. What does that mean? That means, number one, God took away his weapon. What was the devil's weapon? The Bible said that the enemy's weapon was death. But Jesus went to the cross and died. And he defeated the devil with his own weapon. Come on, somebody. He's defeated the power of death. Hallelujah. Jesus disarmed the devil, taking away the power of death. 
And then the scripture says, and he made a public spectacle of him. He embarrassed him. He made a public shame of him by having conquered over him at the cross. And the enemy today is a disarmed and defeated enemy. And at the end of time, he's going to be bound. And he's going to be thrown into the lake of fire, which burns forever and ever. And he'll have no end. I want you to know something. Satan doesn't run hell. Satan is going to hell. Jesus has disarmed him. And Jesus has defeated him. And Jesus has made a public spectacle of him. And now you have authority over him in the name of Jesus. Come on, somebody. So that you can cast him out of your house and out of your marriage and out of your body and out of your thoughts. Come on, somebody. You've got to stand up in your authority as a child of the living God. And know this. Have this conviction. I have victory. I have victory. I have victory. Because the the prince of this world has been defeated. Do you know? Do you know that the weakest, smallest Christian has more authority over the devil than the weak, than the strongest sinner? Say amen, somebody. You say, well, I just got saved yesterday. You can cast out the devil today because you have the name of Jesus. Because you have the authority of Jesus' name. When I was a young man, my father was a pastor. He would call me to come with him to pray for the sick or to pray over a house. And then as I got a little older, he would call me to, he would send me by myself. And, you know, if you got a 4 a.m. call, he would send me. By myself. And my brother had to drive me because I couldn't drive. A little boy preacher casting out devils in the middle of the night. Come on, somebody. I said, come on, somebody. You're telling me you're just going to let the devil whip your family from pillar to post? No. You stand up in the name of Jesus. You take authority in the name of Jesus. You are a blood bot. You are a forgiven child of the living God, and his authority rests upon you. The Holy Spirit has convinced me of this fact. And he is convincing you of that fact. That the prince of this world has been defeated. Let's stand together this morning. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Start worshiping God wherever you are. Just start worshiping God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Come on, wherever you are, open your mouth. Worship the Lord. Blessed be the mighty name of Jesus. Almighty God. I believe. I believe. I believe because your spirit is giving me faith. He's building my faith this morning. I believe because Jesus Christ is seated at the right hand of God. I believe that my enemy has been defeated. 